Well, the reason why there's not a lot of dudes in the book club, Andy, is because it's a book club. Am I right? I mean, yeah. Who, which guy is going to sign up for a book club? Well, I have a feeling... I have a feeling Mindy signed you up for that. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, today, by the way, I wanted to say uh, how good it was to sing that last song and then Amy to lead us in communion this morning. I, I have been praying all week uh, for the Lord to prepare our hearts for John 12. This morning, I'm gonna obviously have the privilege of continuing this series out of the book of John, looking at the very truly statements made by Jesus. And here's my only objectives for this morning, is that we'd see Jesus as the Apostle John intended for us. And the Apostle John wrote his gospel to tell all people that Jesus is the Son of God. In addition to that, my, my sub-objectives is that we'd see why Jesus came to us. We've heard it before, but I wonder how well our lives have aligned and understand his heart and mission for us. And that we'd listen to his claims and respond to them. Those are my objectives this morning. I'll read it one more time. That we'd see Jesus as the Son of God. That we'd see why he came. We'd listen to his claims and respond to them this morning. Last week, Shirley explained to us that Jesus is our good shepherd. Jesus said of himself in John 10, nine through 11, very truly, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they, a sheep, may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Well, the time had come for this to take place for Jesus. But before we get to today's passage in John 12, 20 through 26, let's first recap the life, of, the life Jesus has lived up to this point in the book of John. It's going to be quick. Don't worry about it. For the last three years, Jesus has traveled around preaching and teaching a message as Matthew describes in chapter 4, 17. This is his message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Calling, calling together 12 men to show and teach them also that he was the son of God and what the kingdom of God looks and acts like. And he prepared them to continue his mission, which is to draw all people to himself, which is what we just celebrated in remembrance. In this time, Jesus had proclaimed this about himself. He said in chapter 6, verse 35 of John, he said, I am the bread of life. He also said, I am the light of the world in chapter 8, verse 12. He said in chapter 8, 58, he said, before Abraham was, I am. 
I am the good shepherd, he said in 10.11. I am the resurrection and the life in 11.25. I am the way, the truth, and the life in chapter 14, verse 6, which I know we haven't got there yet. But these are his claims in the book of John. And then lastly, I am the true vine, chapter 15.1. Showing everybody that he is the son of God in these claims. He also backed up these claims by performing many miraculous signs of which the Gospel of John only highlights seven. That's five, but seven. (laughs) First, John says he turned water into wine at a marriage feast in Cana. Second, the healing of the nobleman's son who was at the point of death. Third, the healing of a crippled man at the sheep gate pool. Fourth, when he walked on water. Fifth, the feeding of the 5,000. Sixth, the healing of the man born blind. And seventh, the raising of Lazarus, who was dead in a tomb for four days. That's big time. Real big time. Along the way, because of these signs and miracles, many people believed that Jesus was the son of God. But this last miracle of calling a man back to life after he'd been buried for four days, as you can imagine, many of those who witnessed this miracle were amazed and believed in him. The word of, and word of this travels fast, like you think it travels fast in social media today, as fast as it could, it spread. This was a big deal. Some of them went and told the chief priests that were there and the Pharisees, and this is how big of a deal it was. They called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the Jewish ruling council. That, this is the, the ruling council for the nation. And this is what they said in John eleven forty-seven through 53. It should be on the screen behind me. They said this. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for the nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. That's interesting, isn't it? So at the conclusion of chapter 11, Jesus and his disciples are laying low in a town called Ephraim. Meanwhile, the Passover was approaching and many were traveling into Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing in preparation. At the, at the temple, the crowds and religious leaders were looking for Jesus. The crowds wanted to see the man who raised Lazarus, Lazarus from the dead. 
and the religious leaders were looking to arrest Jesus. Six days before the Passover, Jesus comes back to Bethany to visit Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead. If you hadn't gotten that, I put it in there for you the third time. (laughs) Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And as they were all reclining at the table, Mary, Martha's sister, Lazarus' sister, took a pint of very expensive perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. When some were critical of Mary about, what, about the wasting of the perfume, because she dumped it all. It was like a pint or half a pint or something like that. And expressing a better use would have been to sell it and give it to the poor. Jesus says this in John 12, 7 through 8. He said, leave her alone. It was intended that she save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, he said, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, the word got out that Jesus was there in Bethany at their house, and a large crowd of Jews came to see Jesus and, that, and Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. And so you gotta keep, keep, make sure you're, you're gonna walk out with that. <laughs> they put Lazarus, that put Lazarus on the execution list of the chief priests along with Jesus. For on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews were believing in Jesus. It's safe to say at this point, all eyes are on Jesus. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus, in order to fulfill what was foretold about him in Zechariah 9.9, was riding a young donkey. They cut palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. It was an amazing sight. His disciples were taken in the moment, finally glad that all the people saw Jesus and recognized who he really was. It was later, after Jesus was glorified, that they reflected on those things and realized all the things that were foretold about him came true right before their eyes. It was roughly a two-mile ride from Bethany where Lazarus lived in Jerusalem, where, where Lazarus lived to Jerusalem. And as Jesus made his way through the, through the praise of the crowds, we read this in John 12, 17 through 19. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So before we continue, will you just pray with me? Father, we come before you And we just ask that you'd help us to see Jesus. Help us to see not only only him in the context of, of the scriptures and as John is intending us to see him, but I also pray that we would 
in our own personal lives that you would speak to us. That you would, that you would help us, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear you. And that we would invite you in a new way, in a greater way in our lives as a result of that. In Jesus' name, amen. We pick up the story in John 12, 20 through 26, and this is our text for this morning. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Verse 23, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. It is believed when referenced in Mark's gospel that between the end of his triumphant, triumphal, triumphant, triumphant, whatever, <laughs> his, his, great, his great entrance into Jerusalem and this, this in verse 20, between verses 19 and 20, because of the Mark's gospel when compared that a day maybe two has passed since Jesus came to Bethany or came from Bethany to Jerusalem and that Jesus has at, at this time for, these, for this day or two been teaching in the temple courts, which is what he normally did. In that time, he had driven out of the outer court of the temple the money changers and merchants because they were making a market out of a place that was originally ordained to be a house of prayer for all the nations, Isaiah 56, 7. Since these Greeks who had come to worship God were confined to the outer court due to them being a foreigner, it's likely they saw what Jesus did to the merchants and heard his teaching and that this is a place of prayer for all nations and wanted to meet the one who advocated for them, but were not allowed in the inner court. That helped me understand the first part of that verse. Nevertheless, when Philip and Andrew gave this request to Jesus, it seems by Jesus' response that a divine timer dinged. Like when they came to him and they said, these guys wanna see you. It's like all of a sudden, boom, the, it, the timer dinged. And he responds, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Previously in John's gospel, when they wanted to lay hands on Jesus, and he eluded them because it says his hour had not yet come. Now he is saying, moving forward, that will change. Verse 24 says, very truly I tell you again, unless a kernel of, the wheat, a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus is letting his disciples and those around him know that he's gonna die. Regardless of what the last couple of weeks and days look like, Lazarus called back to life, the crowds believing in him as a result, them hailing him as Messiah on the way into Jerusalem from Bethany, the good shepherd was gonna lay down his life for his sheep. Friends, this is what Jesus, the son of God, did for us. Because of the curse of sin, which we all suffer daily for in our lives, we couldn't be reconciled to God our Father. But that same Father sent his son Jesus to wipe out our sin and bring us displaced kids back to our family of origin. By his single seed, Jesus does this, as the apostle Paul describes in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He says, the son being the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have, his, to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Thank you, God. We sit here today because that has taken place. Friends, what Jesus says next should get, your, get our attention. Any, verse 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. If you follow the life and teaching of Jesus, you'll see what his mission is. Jesus says in verse 26, that if you claim to be his servant, you must follow his lead. Wherever he is going, whatever he is doing. His servant will, his servant will also, I think I messed something up. <laughs> his, I did, I actually took out something. All right, I messed it up, I spliced it. His servant will also um, do exactly what he says which by the way, in the, normal course is in, the in the normal course and rhythm of our lives, it's not like, it's not like Jesus expects us uh, to, be, to not live our lives, to not feed ourselves, to not do the, you know, the, the normal things of life. That's not what he's saying here. Jesus precedes this with, and this is my paraphrase, anyone who lives their lives for themselves will lose their life in eternity. 
And anyone who lives their lives like Jesus will gain eternal life. I don't know about you, but I get this picture in my head like my life is a factory with a production line. And everything is humming along pretty good, right? Sounds, the sounds of a factory and a, and a production line. But after I read Jesus' words in these two verses, all of a sudden the production line gets shut down. And there are flashing lights and alarms going off in several areas of, the, of my factory. Jesus has a hard hat on down on the main floor calling up to my office. Yeah, John, we have some issues down here. You may want to come down and take a look. I don't know if you feel that way this morning when you look at those verses. Jesus continues speaking to the crowd in John 12, 27 through 36. He says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it thundered and others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was gonna die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. <coughs> Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. It wasn't easy for Jesus to lay down his life for us. Sometimes even, even the act of communion that we just did, sometimes when you've known Jesus for a long time, some of that stuff can feel a little bit mundane. We lose, we lose sight of the fact that we're sinners saved by his grace. This sacrifice costs something. We only celebrate it once a year, like at Easter. And really, do we really, do we really understand do we really understand what he went through? Here we can empathize with his humanity as he feels the burden of this monumental task before him. In the hours to come, he would be betrayed, abandoned, beaten, flogged, spit on, scorned, humiliated, tortured, and eventually nailed hands and feet to a Roman cross for the sin of mankind. I think our hearts would be troubled too. Then, even as those thoughts cross his mind, his resolve is resolute. No, it was for the very, this was for the very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then God the Father's voice came from heaven. 
publicly validating his son to the crowds in the temple courts. Friends, God has been glorifying his name since the beginning of creation, displaying his goodness, love, and mercy to everything he has made, and will continue to do so until Jesus returns to rule over his kingdom on this earth. To the glory of God, amen. Regardless of whether we believe that or not, it's gonna happen. Do you believe that this morning? Thank you, Shirley. I do too. (laughs) In the remaining verses, Jesus declares judgment on this world for not following God, but instead God's enemy, the devil, and the evil he encourages the world to practice. Through Jesus, sacrifice on the cross, mankind will no longer have to walk in darkness, but can come to Jesus and walk in the light and become children of light. That's good news. Do you believe that Jesus is the light of the world this morning? Are you tired of the darkness in your life and in this world? Are you tired of being harassed and oppressed by the prince of this world? Let's read what happens next in John 12, 37 through 43. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes nor hear or nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. There was a time when I ran after the world ran after the world and all it had to offer me. And the prince of this world egged me on. I was hard-hearted and blind. I didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus or his church. I even sometimes have trouble today with that. If that's you this morning, would you stop and consider Jesus? For us believers in the room, do verses 42 and 43 strike a chord? Has the fear of men stopped you from openly acknowledging your faith in Jesus? Have you ever loved praise from men over praise from God? The worship team, if you guys can make your way back up. Then for the last time in Jesus' public ministry, he makes his final appeal to the crowd in John 12, 44 through 50. And he says this. Then Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at, at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. 
If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Friends, do you believe that what Jesus is saying here, that he is the son of God, that he and the Father are one? He came to bring light into our darkness. He didn't come to judge us, but to save us. But if we reject Jesus and his words, we will be condemned on the last day. I pray that if you're in this room this morning and maybe you've never, you've never thought about Jesus in this way, you've never seen him in this way, I pray. I pray that you would come to him. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? If you're seeing and hearing Jesus this morning for the first time, or maybe you've never confessed your faith in him, it's not hard. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, 9 through 11, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. If you pray, if, if you would like to, me to pray for you this morning, and you, will you just, with your heads bowed, will you just raise your hand this morning so I can see you, so I can pray for you? Father, I come before you on behalf of my brothers and sisters. Lord, we believe that you are the son of God and that, and that you were raised from the dead and you paid the debt of our sin. We believe that this morning. Draw us close to you. Continue to show us yourself. In Jesus' name. Amen. If, if you prayed that with me this morning, tell someone. You can fill out a connect card to let us know because we want to we wanna help you. We want to help you walk out this new faith. We want to tell you about being baptized. Now I'd like to talk to, to the household of faith, those of us who are in the church this morning.
In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says this to his disciples, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, this was how Jesus lived and what he commissioned us to do. How are we doing? Church, how are we doing? That's not the only thing he said in regards to his mission and our commission. He also said in Mark 12, 30 through 31, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? 29, the most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is what some of us have been studying for years in the church, myself included. How are we living it out in real time? Throughout the week, can people tell about you that you love the Lord your God? Can people see that you love your neighbor as yourself? Are we following Jesus and how we spend our time, talents, and resources? Are we following his example and laying down our lives to produce more life, more life in others? Are we agents of his kingdom or is most of our time, talents, and money spent on ourselves? Will you bow your heads with me one more time? If if that strikes a chord with you this morning and and you would like to, you'd like to grow. The Lord doesn't want us to to not respond. He wants us to to respond. He's, He's not saying this to condemn us. He's saying this to encourage us because he has an abundant life for us in him. He doesn't want us us to miss out on the family business. If you're somebody who wants to grow in this, will you just raise your hand this morning before the Lord? Just heads down, eyes closed, just raise your hand. Father, we come before you this morning and we recognize we haven't done this. (laughs) We haven't done this very well. Will you help us, God? We recognize who you are and we recognize your words and we want them to carry the weight that they should in our lives. Will you help us, Father? Will you help us, Lord Jesus, By the power of your spirit, will you awaken the things inside of us that need to change? 
that, that you would call us down to the factory floor of our lives and say, we gotta change this. And I just pray that today we would, we would take a step toward, toward partnering with you in this mission to tell a lost world to show our neighbor as we love you who it is we profess and that we want them to come and see the one who changed our lives, the one who made our hearts full of light and life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.